segment on the weird science dc comics.com podcast my name is reggie my name is chris and this week we have no young animal books mm-hmm. but it is there are also not very many dc comics books this is a uh fifth week what that's what we call it in uh in the industry right chris is that the uh, yes. parlance <laughs> so we uh we decided this might be a time to talk about the fifth week in comics why it presents a problem how Comics publishers have dealt with it in the past, and uh, maybe it'll be entertaining, maybe it'll be informative, we'll see, but uh just wanted to talk about it a little bit. So, uh, specifically to DC Comics, when we consider their bi-weekly schedule, uh, these would be months that have five Wednesdays, that would be a fifth week, you know, Some usually it's four to, to a month, but sometimes it kind of slips out, uh, we'll talk about the math of it in a minute. Uh, the fifth week has been a problem for comics for a long time, even on a monthly schedule. You know, forget the bi-weekly. It's tough enough to uh, handle that on your monthlies. Uh, comics are, you know, often considered monthly periodicals. They're actually published in four-week cycles. So, you know, if you come out in the second week in April, you want to come out on the second week in May, you want to come out on the second week in June, so on and so forth. And if we multiply those four weeks by 12 months, we'd come up with a publishing shipping schedule, which only includes 48 weeks. But since our year has 52 weeks, there are four times out of every year we have to deal with a sparsely populated fifth week. That's where that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you get paychecks out there, then you also know about the fifth week sometimes can uh, be a boon or it can mess you up. Uh, <laughs> uh, sufficient orders when you're making consistent orders at the uh, retail level, they're dependent on every week containing at least one big name comic or at least a comic you know to expect. Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men, etc. You know, you you don't want to have a week where there's none of those big comics in there because then you're just sort of grasping at straws. Like, what do I get? Sure, sure, and uh, you know those ramifications continue because you have uh, for the for the customers that are in the know, you've got less foot traffic. You know, you have the person who comes in and spends you know thirty, forty, fifty, hundred bucks a week, mm-hmm. and they're just not showing up that week. Yeah, and uh, and then also you have the customers who who don't know about the fifth week, and they are annoyed that they took the trip, they schlepped down, and. Uh, there's nothing to pick up. Mm-hmm. So uh, you have angry customers or you have uh, customers that didn't show up. Um, and also, you know, so many of us are creatures of habit. I mean, so many of my pull titles are habitual titles, sure. just stuff that I pick up because I've always picked it up. And uh, folks who make that weekly trip on a Wednesday after work or a Thursday morning or whenever they go to the comic store, if they miss one week, it'll probably become easier not to go back the following week, yeah, no I matter mean, how invested they I'm are. I'm sure you've heard uh, you know, a ton of stories about people that, that collected comics, collected comics, collected comics, then they had to go to their aunt's funeral one week, and then suddenly they were out of it. Like, literally, yep. it, it, it's one they're one week away from just never going back to comics again. It really does happen like that. So exactly. it can be dicey, yeah, that fifth week. 
yeah, four times a year, you're risking your, yeah. <laughs> a nice chunk of your readership. Uh, now, today, uh, the fifth week for DC, and to a less, lesser extent, Marvel, consists of uh, a smattering of like, one-off annual specials, uh, some forgettable inventory stories dragged out of the vaults. Uh, but was not always this way. Yeah. If we go back to the halcyon days of the 1990s, <laughs> <laughs> DC Comics published four monthly Superman titles. We had Superman the Man of Steel. Adjectiveless Superman, Adventures of Superman, and Action Comics. The interlocking stories created a weekly narrative that continued throughout the year. But, you know, we, we as we said earlier, this publishing schedule only accounted for 48 out of those 52 weeks. So uh, for those weeks, we had nothing until DC introduced a fifth ongoing Superman title called Superman the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, this would run from 1995 through 1999, originally by Roger Stern and Tom Grummet. Uh, with uh, they they came on with uh, a bit of Ballyhoo too. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and then you know then I think uh, Louise Simonson did some of it, and then I think it just became a rotating title. Uh, now this uh, this back in the uh, 90s, the Superman titles had something called the triangle numbering, where there was a triangle with a number in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it uh, it told you the order to read your comics. Uh, yes, kinda, there was the issue number, and then there was a yep. separate number that was like the number of because it was, it was truly an ongoing story that ran for years, yes. and, it, and it all counted. So it was pretty pretty incredible. Yeah, so you'd have like a triangle with the year in it, so it was like 1991, and then mm-hmm. under it would be whatever whatever number of that year it was going to be. And uh, you know, use of that triangle system made these issues must haves. I mean, these weren't just extra stories; these were part of the story. Right. So, uh, and these would actually make the ongoing adventures of Superman a true, never-ending battle. That's true. Yeah, it was. It was. I don't know why people talk about that. Possibly asking to go back to something like that, and uh, they never get any, you know, response from DC or Marvel, but. Uh... <laughs> Because they did uh, with uh, right before Rebirth, they had the the last days of Superman, and they used the triangle numbering. Oh and wow! I, I must have squeed like a girl. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> and then the new Fifty Two happened. Anyway, uh, across the street at Marvel, Spider Man and the X Men also had four big ongoings apiece. Spidey had Amazing Spider Man, Spectacular Spider Man, Web of, which was later Sensational Spider Man, and then plain old adjectiveless Spider Man, later known as Peter Parker Spider Man. Mutants had Uncanny X-Men, Adjectiveless X-Men, X-Factor, and X-Force. There was also second-tier and solo mutant books, but these were, you know, there there was New Mutants, there was other stuff. But these were the big big four, the the, the grown-up X-Men books, we'll call them. (laughs) Uh, Most often get wrapped up in the crossovers and whatnot, and there were plenty of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's also notable, maybe to our younger readers and listeners, maybe not, there were only two Avengers books at that time, and for the majority of the second half of the 90s, just one Avengers book, whereas now Avengers comprises three quarters of Marvel's uh, output, so that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're lucky to get a week where there's just one. I know, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> now, to fill the fourth weeks for Spidey and the Mutants, Marvel introduced their quarterly Unlimited line. Uh, it would ultimately grow to include the Fantastic Four, the Midnight Suns, and 2099 or 2099. Mm. But the core books were Spider-Man Unlimited and X-Men Unlimited. They were oversized and priced higher than the regular titles, perhaps due to less, uh, you know, competition for the consumer dollar on those fifth weeks, mm. or maybe just to fleece the fans. Um, <laughs> and they launched with a bit yeah. of pomp and circumstance. Uh, X-Men Unlimited number one had to do with the return of Magneto who doesn't even make a make an appearance, uh, though his presence is felt. 
this issue also featured the first X-Men art of one of my favorites, Chris Bocciolo. Wow. And, uh, yeah, this was his first uh, X-Men art. Um, and also we had Spider-Man Unlimited number one, which featured the first chapter of the Spidey spanning event, Maximum Garbage. Oh. Car- carnage. Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. They gave you a little warning on the fifth week. Yes. Um, and, there were, you know, there were some nice uh, kind of... E- events, or I don't know what you want to call them, uh, little extras that DC and Marvel did. So in the 1996 DC versus Marvel crossover, both companies co-published a series of titles under the Amalgam imprint during fifth weeks. These were mashups of Marvel and DC Comics characters. And actually, I, I didn't listen this way here, but they were, you know, one batch kind of handled by DC, one batch sort of handled by Marvel with some, yeah. uh, you know, fluidity between them as there is anyway in the industry but anyway uh those titles were amazons by john byrne assassins by dan chichester and scott mcdaniel dr strange fate by ron's mars jose luis garcia lopez and kevin nolan i wonder who those were a mixture of Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) we had a jlx by gerard jones mark wade and howard porter we had a, a version of uh, the the animated. Uh, I think this is the animated one, wasn't it? Or or maybe that was Adventures of. But we had Legends of the Dark Claw, which was Batman and Wolverine together, uh-huh. and that was by Larry Hama and Jim Ballant. Super Soldier was Superman and Captain America by Mark Wade and Dave Gibbons. Bruce Wayne, Agent of Shield, self-explanatory by uh, Chuck Dixon and Carrie Nord. Yeah, I've heard something about that. Bruce Wayne, Agents of Shield was a little little silly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bullets and Bracelets by John Ostrander and Gary Frank. There was Magneto and the Magnetic Men by Gerard Jones, Jeff Matsuda, and Art Fiber, Thurbert? Fiber. Fiber, very good. Speed, <laughs> Speed Demon by Howard Mackey, James Felder, Salvador La Roca, and Al Milgram. As in Spider Boy by Carl Kiesel and Mike Waringo, and X Patrol by Barbara, Barbara Kiesel, uh, Brian Hitch, and Paul Neary. And they liked that so much, they went back to, to the Amalgam brand for the fifth week the following year. And we start with Bat Thing by Larry <laughs> Hama, Rodolfo DiMaggio, and Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, this is the one I was thinking of, Dark Claw Adventures. Adventures. yeah, okay. Yes, because it was drawn in the animated style right. with the uh, Amalgam of... And Templeton uh, was already doing the... The regular Batman comic, yeah. animated series, yeah. Uh, so this is Ty Templeton and Rick Burchett. And then we had Generation Hex by Peter Milligan and Adam Polina. It's a JLX Unleashed by Christopher Priest, Oscar Jimenez, and Hannibal Rodriguez. Lobo the Duck by Alan Grant and Val Semeckis. Super Soldier Man of War by Dave Gibbons, Mark Wade, and Jimmy Palmiotti. Uh, Challenges of the Fantastic by Carl Kiesel and Tom Grummet. The Exciting X-Patrol by Barbara Kiesel, Brian Hitch, and Paul Neary. And Iron Lantern by Kurt Busiek and Paul Smith. And then the Magnetic Men featuring Magneto by Tom Pyre, Payer, Barry Kitson, and Dan Panosian. And Spider-Boy team-up by R.K. Sternsel. This was an amalgam of the names Roger Stern <laughs> and Carl Kiesel. Now they're really having fun here, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jose Ladron Ladron, and Ladron. Juan Viasco and Thorion of the New Ass Gods by Keith Giffen and John <laughs> Romita Jr. These all, you know, I gotta say, I've never, I've never looked at these. I've seen them, you know, the covers. I've never looked inside. Some of them sound interesting, but I have a feeling I might be on a fool's errand. What do you say, Chris? You are correct, sir. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're fun for the novelty, mm-hmm. but uh, I remember uh, grabbing all of these because I was an idiot, and uh, 
I still am, but uh, I, I tell you, I tell you what, the, they'll never be collected in trade paperback. Not anymore. So no, never you, ever. Uh, if you want to read them, you're gonna have to go get your fingers dirty, folks. Mm-hmm. Get in those inky, inky quarter bins. You're, you'll be good to go. Uh, now, for the fifth weeks in 1997 and 1998, DC Comics created an imprint called Tangent Comics, which uh, we saw revisited during Convergence. Convergence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Tangent Gotham. Hey, it's other Tangent Gotham. Yeah. These uh, now these. Are... <laughs> These were reimagined versions of DC Comics characters that kept their names intact. Uh, we'll start with 1997's Tangent. We have the Atom. This is the the grandson of the Tangent Earth's first superhero, the atomic an atomic veteran, uh, takes on the mantle and learns the horrible truth about his family. It was written and penciled by Dan Jurgens with finishes by Paul Ryan. And it's, it seems to me like Jurgens was kind of overseeing this whole thing. As am I wrong? He was kind of on point. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. He was like the tangent guy, and he, he still talks about it. Uh, there was Doom Patrol. That was a, in this case a team from the future arriving to the present, warning of the impending destruction of the Earth. Team members included Doomsday, Star Sapphire, Firehawk, and Rampage, which resembled none of the actual heroes that you might be thinking of when I say those names. <laughs> Written by Jurgens, art by Sean Chen. Yeah, we have the Flash. This is the first baby born in space, grows up to become a teenage superhero with light-based powers. She can move at the speed of light and creates holographic constructs. It was written by Todd DeZago with art by Gary Frank. Green Lantern was a woman with a lantern which, when placed upon a grave, can bring the dead back to life just long enough to complete unfinished business. Written by James Robinson, art by J.H. Williams III. That might be the most fondest remembered one. Uh, I know she was she was either added to the Justice League or the Justice Society before uh, the New Fifty Two hit. I don't know. She's, um, in, I, she's a lot of these I have read, and yeah, most hmm. of them are you know not so great. But uh, I do remember that one being all right, and I kind of remember the the uh, Secret Six one being okay, but hmm, okay. just not really understanding this whole thing. Concept, to be honest yeah. with you, but that's okay. Now we got the uh, the Joker, a costumed anarchist in the city of New Atlantis that uses pranks to highlight the failings and hypocrisy of those in power. Written by Carl Kiesel with art by Matt Haley. The Metal Men were a covert military group so named because they came back from every mission unscathed. The members are nicknamed Hawkman, Lobo, Gravedigger, and Black Lightning, but they're just dudes. They're not any of these superheroes. <laughs> uh, written by Ron Mars, art by Mike McCone. Uh, Nightwing, a group of agents from a mystical secret society that controls much of the world to go renegade. This is written by John Ostrander with art by Jan Dersama. Sea Devils was a society of murder people. They were created by the nuclear exchange that destroyed Cuba and Florida in 1962. I don't, did you remember that happened? I don't remember that. Uh, (laughs) Written by Kurt Busiak, art by Vince Girano. Uh, that Secret Six one you were talking about. They, they are a covert group of heroes who were formed when the Flash, Adam, Joker, Spectre, Plastic Man, and Manhunter joined forces to combat Dr. Aquatus, a living ocean. It was written by Chuck Dixon with art by Tom Grummet. Yeah, that one was sort of in feel to me like that JSA, uh, what is that, The Secret Files? You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. The yeah. Elseworlds thing. It was sort of mm-hmm. like that. It was like the they, Liberty Files. The Liberty Files. Yeah. yeah. And they they were it was sort of like they were just a covert team of like garishly weirdly dressed dudes, but it, it was okay. I wouldn't I really wouldn't recommend any of them, although they did they did collect <laughs> these at some point. Uh, 1998, they came back. They said, "Boy, that was fun. Let's do it again." Let's do it and again. And they came up with some uh, new characters. Power Girl, who was U.S. agents uh, attempt to kidnap genetic China's genetically engineered superhuman. Power Girl, written by Ron Mars with art by Dusty Abel. 
and Nightwing Night Force, the rogue Nightwing agents including Jade, Obsidian, Black Orchid, and Wildcat, attempt to rescue the Doom Patrol, which we named all those people before. Uh, and again, they're just names. They do not resemble the people that we're naming <laughs> uh, from the Soviet <laughs> Union, only to unleash the Ultra Humanite, who also is nothing like the Ultra Humanite, written by John Ostrander, art by Jan Dursema. We have the Superman, and this is the uh, like that bald black Superman. Yeah, right? this one was actually, I remember, kind of interesting. But... And he carried like a stick. Um, now, uh, an ordinary man finds himself evolving into something millions of years beyond human. It's written by Mark Miller with art by Jackson Geis. We have Tales of the Green Lantern. The Green Lantern tells three possible and contradictory stories of her origin. Uh, the framing sequence was written by James Robinson with art by J.H. Williams III and Mick Gray. The first two alternate origins were written by uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning with art by Mike Mayhew and Wade Von Grobadger. I usually put a hyphen in that name so I can say it. One of the best uh, names in comics. We love it. Isn't it? <laughs> also, uh, Georges Ginty and Drew Garrisey. Uh, the third was written by John Ostrander with art by Ryan Sook. Uh, this this one's really weird. The Batman yes. is a knight who once fought King Arthur. He's forced to atone for his sins, seeking justice through an empty suit of armor for all eternity. I have no credits on that one. And Feels like the Phantom Stranger one. It's, it's like totally, you know what I mean? Like why, what, what'd you call him? The Knight, you know, or yes. the Fallen Knight? I, I can think of a million different better names for it, but. <laughs> Uh, the Joker's Wild. The, the story focuses on three mischievous but essentially good superheroines. They would be Madame Xanadu, Mary Marvel, and Laurie Lamaris, all masquerading as the Joker in the post-apocalyptic rebuilt city of New Atlantis. Written by Carl Kiesel and Tom Simmons, art by Joe Phillips. Uh, Trials of the Flash, which is probably playing off the uh, never-ending storyline of the early 80s, The Trial so, yeah. of the Flash. <laughs> now, the uh, Flash teams up with their friends in the Secret Six to rescue one of their own from Nightwing. Uh, it's written by Todd DeZago, with art by Paul Pelletier. Uh, Wonder Woman, an alien warrior, meant to be a symbol of unity for her fractured world, is instead pursued to Earth. Uh, she battles her pursuers in Las Vegas all the while wondering about her role in the cosmos. This is written by Peter David, with art by Angel Unzueta, from designs by Gene Ha. And then there was JLA, who is another covert group of operatives formed to take out several <laughs> superhumans, namely the Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, and Superman. Eventually, the four targets come together and form their own Justice League, written by Dan Jurgens, with art by Daryl Banks and Norm Ratmond. And you know, so I, would you, would you rather read this or just imagine dot 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 Stan Lee creating the? I was I was just thinking that like, like <laughs> I, I've really never made the connection, but it's it's just the same type of thing where Stan Lee took the names of these characters and made totally new characters. You know what I mean? And yep. and I, I bet if you were to separate some of these some of these stories and characters from these names. They might end up being okay, but, you know, you keep seeing the Flash. You can't, yeah. You expect to see the Flash, you know, you keep seeing the name. Or a, a book called The Batman that's got, like, a knight in it, okay. and it's not it's not Batman in a knight suit, as would have been common in the Silver Age. Uh, it's, it's, it kind of throws you off, you know. I, I know Jerkins is really proud of this, and sometimes I even think about going back. You know, like, I'm going to actually give it another look. Cause when I, I, at the time, I didn't read it right at the time, but I read it close to it, around 99, I think. Uh, yeah. And or not all of them, but a bunch of them. And I remember being like, nah, this is not yeah, for me. What? But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe it's worth a another look. I will I will t fall on that sword, though, listener. Don't uh, don't <laughs> run out there. I'll let you know what I find if I do get around to it. Uh, another another cool event or another existing event was uh, New Year's <laughs> Evil. This was a series of eight one shot specials released in late 1998. 
The focus of the specials was on the supervillains of the DC Universe. Several of the villains would go on to play a larger role in various storylines the following year. This all started with New Year's Eve Body Doubles, number one, by Dan Abnett, Annie Lanning, and Joe Phillips. And this was weird because these were characters from the title Resurrection Man. Yep. Wasn't really in the DCU, sort of, but I guess... Yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a heavy hitter, but I I remember uh, just like the uh, the Eclipso Darkness Within cover had that gem on it. Yeah. The, uh, the first issue of Resurrection Man had like a holographic pog on mm. it that turned into a skull and it, and it dents up whatever book you put in front of it in your long box. Oh, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, we also have New Year's Evil Dark Nemesis number one by Dan Jurgens and Chris Cross, uh, a group of villains that that normally takes on the Teen Titans there. Uh, New Year's Evil Dark Side, number one, by John Byrne and Kieran Grant. Uh, you know, Dark Side, he's anti-life. Yeah. He's, uh, <laughs> he's that guy. Uh, New Year's Evil Gog, number one, by Mark Wade and Jerry Ordway. This introduces Gog, uh, who's a villain resulting from the effects of uh, Kingdom Come. Yeah, he's sort of like the, a young Magog or something like this. Yeah, he's yeah. like the either son or the pre- predecessor. He's somewhere. Something there, like yeah. that. I, I couldn't really remember exactly, but they're related some way. It was New Year's Evil, Mr. Mizzy's Pitlick, number one by Alan Grant and Tom Morgan. Uh, Mr. Mizzy's Pitlick is a mischievous imp with magical powers from another dimension. We just saw him recently in, I think, Action Comics, right? Reborn, yeah. Although now that I think about it, that was actually like five months ago, so never mind. <laughs> uh, this happened during the, the Electric Superman phase of Superman, and the cover does have Mr. Mizzy's Pitlick dressed in a similar fashion, which is cool. And I think it does play into the story some. That's a, fun, that's a fun issue that really pokes fun at DC's uh, uh, publication. Yeah. Just like all their all their weird niche titles that were coming out at the time, uh, and even some of the bigger ones, uh, they really take the piss out of them. It's I love fun. I love stuff like that. That might be yeah. uh, worth worth it just for the uh, the the larfs. Then there was a yes. New Year's Evil Prometheus number one by Grant Morrison and Arnie Jorgensen. This was the first appearance of Prometheus, a character pretty much written only by Grant Morrison. Uh, <laughs> although actually he did figure into that War Games, that Batman War Games thing, right? Yeah. Uh, so he, he did a little bit, but pretty much he's really only been handled by Grant Morrison. Uh, and uh, he'd be responsible for the death of Roy Harper's daughter, Leanne, during the Justice League Cry for Justice. So, yeah, so he, he got a little bit of play, but I can't help in my mind think of him as Grant Morrison's character. A Grant character, yeah. Um, uh, New Year's Evil Rogues number 1 by Brian Augustin and Ron Wagner. The, the rogues are blue-collar supervillains from Central City that mainly tackle the Flash. Yeah, we know all those guys. Yeah. Uh, New Year's Evil, Scarecrow number one by Peter Milligan and Duncan Fogretto. Uh, Scarecrow, he's this dude who uh, dresses yeah. like a scarecrow, <laughs> and uh, he he bugs Batman a lot. He bugs Batman. He has fear spray. We know we know his deal. That's yeah, it's his that's his gig. Uh, we we have another fifth week event called The Kingdom, which is a sort of kind of sequel to Kingdom Come, which introduced the concept of hypertime. Uh, there were a group of one-off books, which included The Kingdom, Son of the Bat, number one, by Mark Wade and Brian Apthorpe. Uh, the Son of the Bat here is not Damian Wayne, but Iban al-Jafesh. Mm-hmm. Jafesh. Very Jafesh. good. Sure. <laughs> now, he is still the Ill- illegitimate son of Bruce and Talia, though. Uh, we have The Kingdom Nightstar, number one, by Mark Wade and Matt Haley. Uh, Nightstar would be the daughter of uh, Nightwing and Starfire. That's right, Nightwing. Wing and Starfire, yeah. Yes, equals Nightstar. <laughs> and uh, she's also the love interest to the aforementioned Son of the Bat. Next was The Kingdom Offspring number 1 by Mark Wade and Frank Quitely. Offspring is Luke O'Brien, the son of Plastic Man. There was The Kingdom Kid Flash number 1 by Mark Wade and Mark, and Mark Pajarillo. 
uh, stars oh, yeah. Iris West, who is the daughter of Wally West. And The Kingdom, Planet Krypton, number one by Mark Wade and Barry Kitson. Only Mark Wade was allowed to write these, right? Is that the, that's the rule? It was his gig. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was. And uh, The Kingdom Come is his thing, so I guess. Yep. Uh, Planet Krypton is a superhero-themed restaurant in Metropolis owned by Booster Gold. Think Hard Rock Cafe, but with superheroes. Then stop thinking about Guy Gardner's Warriors Bar and think of this instead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of also feature at the end of Kingdom Come, right? This all, yeah, I think all so. eating in there, basically, same kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, another fifth week event, Girl Frenzy, exclamation point. This was a uh, 1998. One uh, word even, too, by the way. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, it consisted of seven one-shot specials focusing on the female heroes of the DC Universe. Uh, each issue was tangentially connected to the parent title, but were otherwise unrelated to one another. We got Batman Batgirl, volume two, number one, by Kelly Puckett and Jim Ballant. Uh, Birds of Prey, Ravens, number one, by Chuck Dixon and Nelson DeCastro. And JLA Tomorrow Woman, number one, by Tom Paya and Yannick Paquette. At Starman, The Mist, number one, by James Robinson and John Lucas. Superman, Lois Lane, number one, by Mike Carlin and Leonard Kirk. Wonder Woman, Donna Troy, number one, by Phil Jimenez. Young Justice, The Secret, number one, by Todd DeZago and Todd Nauk. This one shot actually predates both JLA World Without Grown Ups and the Young Justice ongoing series proper, but I guess they kind of consider this maybe testing the waters very very early on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there was JL Question Mark, also known as uh... this is also known as Justice Leagues. I've heard it. Yes. Uh, this was six one shots, and the thing is, this seemed like. This this is an idea that you, is Could really so up my fun. alley. You know what I mean? Yep. Like such a, a fun, silly thing. Uh, but it, it didn't end up that way. Anyway, it was six one shots published on the fifth week in 2001, playing with the acronym JLA. Started out with J, Justice League's JL question mark number one by Tom Payer and Ethan Van Skyver, and there was Justice League's Justice League of the Amazons number one by Len Kaminsky and, and Alur Amancio. And, I like it. We're going to list these different Justice Leagues, and the problem is this is going to entice you to go out and read these books, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and I really strongly recommend you don't bother. But uh, <laughs> the uh, Justice League of the Amazons was Wonder Woman, the leader, Supergirl, the Linda Danvers version written by Peter David primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huntress was Helena Bar- the Helena Bertinelli version, Big Barda, Zatanna, Power Girl, and Black Orchid. Yes, we also have uh, Justice League's Justice League of Atlantis, number one by Len Kaminsky and Javier Salteris. You had uh, clearly have Aquaman as the leader. Uh, team members included Mera, Tempest, which is, you know, Aqualad, mm-hmm. Arion, the Lord of Atlantis, Power Girl, who, at, you know, post-crisis was an Atlantean, uh, Lori Lamaris, uh, Superman's mermaid uh, crush, yeah. and uh, Devilfish. And it was Justice League's Justice League of Arkham, number one, by Paul Grist and Coy Turnbull. Batman as the leader involved included Nightwing, the Joker, Catwoman, Riddler, Ventriloquist slash Scarface, we know, uh, mm-hmm. Poison Ivy. And I mean, this sounds like one, you know, I want to see an ongoing. Sure, but, that, no. that sounds like a real fun one. But... <laughs> it, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Justice League's Justice League of Aliens, by number one by Judd Winnick and Mike S. Miller. A Martian Manhunter leads a team including Superman, Orion, Starfire, Lobo, Guy Gardner, and uh, the Blue Star Man, Miguel Tomas. That's right. And it all wrapped up in Justice League's JLA number one by Tom Payer and Justiniano. That last one sounds awesome, too. You know what I mean? Like, such a crazy starfire on the so same weird, team right? as Lobo and Martian Manhunter. Yep. 
but uh, yeah, it didn't work out that well. There were some other fun alternate alternate leagues potentially in these issues. I just wanted to list them. There was the, another one. I, it just sounds I want to read an ongoing. But, Last, uh, yeah. Justice League of Anarchy was Plastic Man leading with Amazing Man, Ambush Bug, Creeper, Trickster, and Harley Quinn. And the uh, Justice League of Apostles was Zoriel the leader, the, you know, the uh, former uh, uh, the angel. Angel, yep. Yeah. Uh, Phantom Stranger, Doctor Fate, the Hector Hall version, Dead Man, and Zatanna. And we have Justice League Adventure, which is uh, led by Wally West Flash, has uh, Mr. Miracle, the Scott Free version, Adam Roy Palm, Ray Palmer, and uh, Beast Boy and Black Canary. Uh, the Justice League of Air is uh, Green Lantern, uh, Kyle Rayner is running the show. We got Black Condor, Ryan Kendall. This is the uh, the Native American dude with the wings yep. uh, who was briefly on the Justice League uh, post-Death of Superman. Uh, Captain Adam, The Ray, Firestorm, Dr. Light. This is the Kimi Ohoshi version, the, you know, the heroic version, yeah, not, the, exactly. uh, not, the, not the rapist. You know? And uh, <laughs> say villain. <laughs> I don't say rapist. <laughs> Funny no Hawkman on that team, but I guess he was busy that's on another team odd, or something. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there was another uh, good fifth week event. This one I remember being actually all right. Yeah, uh, just the Justice Society returns May 1999 to lead up to the launch of the JF or kind of the relaunch in a way of the JSA. JSA all fe- title. Huh? JSA title. Yeah, no, it's right. Their own uh, new their new title, all featuring covers with a golden age style. Uh, there was JSA Returns Adventure Comics, featured Starman, uh, Ted Knight, and the Adam Al Pratt, the originals. JSA Returns that had an all-star comics look featuring the Justice Society of America. JSA Returns All-American Comics. This featured Green Lantern, Alan Scott, and Johnny Thunder. And JSA Returns uh, National Comics. This was the Jay Garrick Flash and Mr. Terrific, the Terry Sloan original uh, yes. white dude version. Yes. <laughs> we have uh, JSA Returns Sensation Comics, which featured Wonder Woman and Hawkgirl. Uh, JSA Returns Smash Comics, featuring Owlman and Dr. Midnight. This is mid-NITE uh, night. Uh, JSA Returns Star Spangled Comics, featuring The Sandman. This is Wesley Dodds and Star Spangled Kid. And JSA Returns Thrilling Comics, featuring Hawkman and Wildcat. Uh, another one. This is DC is really, really doing this here. Yeah. Uh, in, in July of 2000, uh, we had the Silver Age, which are stories told uh, with a very decidedly Silver Age feel. Uh, it started with Silver Age number one, which was overpriced. Uh, the Silver Age 80-page giant, which was also overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Silver Age Brave and the Bold number one. It was uh, Silver Age Challenge of the Unknown number one. Silver Age Dial H for Hero, number one. Silver Age Doom Patrol, number one. And then Silver Age Flash, number one. Yep, and Silver Age Green Lantern, number one. Silver Age Justice League of America, number one. Justice League Showcase, number one. I'm I'm sorry, Silver Age Showcase, number one. And Silver Age Teen Titans, number one. And And I'm starting to figure something out here. What's that? That these fifth weeks were not going to be cheap. No, they they wanted they wanted you to buy a full <laughs> roster or even more than you would normally pull on your every yes. week. Yeah, they were trying to really really, you know, juice those weeks. It's funny the mm-hmm. the attitude is so different now. That used to be seen as an opportunity, I think, to yep. squeeze a little extra money out of the consumer. And, sure. and this event right here, in my mind, also like we said, uh, Jurgens was sort of in charge of tension. Mark Wade was kind of in charge of this. This is Wade. He yeah. didn't write everything, but you know, he he was sort of. Uh, just my impression is he his yeah. his fingerprints are all over it, and it's sh- you know it should have been so good and it just is not that good. It really it is a little flat. There's a yeah. story that runs through the whole all of them, 
and uh, it's not that interesting, but whatever. Um, yeah. It's out there. It exists. Then the power company in 2002. This was uh, something created by Kurt Busiek. This was a sort of heroes for hire for the DC universe. Uh, in order to properly introduce these new characters, the one-shots were released pairing them with established DC heavy hitters. They were all cover dated March 2002 and included Power Company, Manhunter number 1 by Kurt Busiek and Dan Jurgens. This was Manhunter and Nightwing paired up. Power Company, Striker Z number 1, Kurt Busiek and Ramon Box. This was Striker Z and the Con-El Superboy. Yeah, Striker Z is one of my all-time favorites. Um, <laughs> Power Company, Skyrocket number 1. This is uh, Kurt Busiek and Joe Staten. This is Skyrocket uh, teaming up with Green Lantern. This is the Hal Jordan version. Uh, you got to remember, at this time, Kyle was the active uh, Green Lantern. Uh, these are flashbacks to establish that these characters have been around for a while. So this would have been something, um, too, for Hal Jordan fans who had to run out absolutely. and get this. Yeah, big time. yeah it's a big-time big, big time novelty for Hal fans because you weren't you weren't getting Hal in the, uh, in the Green Duds. No. Except, you know, the Spectre does. Um, right. We have Green... I'm sorry, Power Company. <laughs> Sapphire, number one. This is Kurt Busiek and Mark Bagley with some extremely rare-for-the-time non-Marvel work. Yeah. This is uh, Sapphire and the Justice League. Uh, Power Company, Bork. And if you could picture... Uh, Bork is basically like a Kilowog-looking dude. Uh, this is Kurt Busiek and Kieran Dwyer. And this is Bork, Batman, and the Flash, the Barry Allen version. Uh, just like we mentioned with Hal above, uh, Wally West was the Flash here. So Barry as Flash stories were still quite novel in 2002. Yeah. It was definitely a uh, throwback trying to pull, pull sure. people back Perhaps, to buying a yeah. comic. Uh, Power Company, Josiah Power, number one. That was Kurt Busiek and Keith Giffen. Uh, that was Josiah Power with Superman, and then Power Company, Witchfire, number one, Kurt, Kurt Busiek and Matt Haley, that was Witchfire and Wonder Woman. They didn't think to put the uh, name of the, you know, known superhero in the title, huh? That was, no. not, that was not a good idea for them? I don't know. <laughs> no, and, and Power Company would run for about 18 issues. I, like a, like a moron, bought all of these. Of uh, they were underwhelming, and I made it two issues into the ongoing before I just realized that it wasn't, wasn't for me. It was, I mean, right around this time, you know, late nineties going right around now, I, I was, I got, I got a lot of the JSA returns, for example. So I was obviously somewhere in the middle. I don't remember this at all. Power company. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's funny. Cause we're, we're right. You know, we're always writing scripts for the shows and, uh, I haven't thought of this team in 15 years. And this week we had to cover them twice. Yeah, it came up it's twice. Like, what? Okay. Someone's got to do it. I guess that's us. That's us. Uh, now, back across the street at Marvel, we have a few fifth week events as well. First one we're going to talk about is Marvel Mangaverse. Uh, back around the turn of the century, manga was beginning to catch on in a very big way. Uh, many comic stores, especially, and I, I can speak for my neck of the woods, uh, these comic shops are starting to look like manga and anime stores. Oh, yeah. That happened to sell comics, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Marvel attempted to cash in on this with a series of one-shots, which filled the fifth week in early 2002. These are mostly what-if Marvel characters were soaked in Japanese historical and popular culture and were all rather uninspired. Yeah. Uh, the first one, it's The Punisher by Peter David with Leia, Leah Hernandez on art. And um, let's see if you get this. This is a female dominatrix. Whoa. Punisher. Oh, <laughs> very clever. Very uh, clever. Um, Fantastic Four by Adam Warren and Kieran Grant. This is, uh, Chris says, this is unmemorable. 
and I, I'm willing to accept that. Uh, <laughs> Avengers Assemble by Udon Studios. The Avengers literally assemble. It's like a Voltron or, you know, the, whatever the, the Power Rangers run around in. You know, they, they come together, combined to form the giant robot. Powers combined, yeah. yes. Uh, Spider-Man by Care Andrews. This is Spider-Man as a teenage non-mutant ninja guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have <laughs> we have Journey into Mystery by Chuck Austin uh, on writing and art. This uses like the Midnight Suns and the Marvel horror characters, uh, and actually makes them it makes it as though they're all related. They're all literally sons of Satan. Ah. Uh, Yes, uh, we have uh, X-Men by C.B. Sobolski, uh, who was a name that was bandied around a lot back then. You don't hear much about it now. Uh, with art by Jeff Matsuda, was also rather unmemorable. Okay. Uh, we had another one uh, from Marvel called Marvel's Comics. Now, this event uh, sought to answer the question, what if Marvel Comics were produced and existed in the Marvel Universe? How would the heroes be depicted by regular Joe comic creator in the Marvel Universe? Uh, this launched with a freebie called The History of Marvels, Six Fabulous Decades of the World's Most Accurate Comics. Ugh. And this would tell us pretty much what we were in for. Now, did this did this come right around New Comic Book Day? Is that how, why it was free or it just happened? They just left it out there? It was just a it was Just, a just freebie, an incentive, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so there was Marvel Comics Captain America written by Rick Jones with Peter David, art by Steve Rogers with other artists. There was the Marvel Comics Daredevil, Marvel Comics Fantastic Four, written by Carl Kiesel with art by Paul Smith and others. There was a Marvel Comics Spider-Man, a Marvel Comics Thor, and a Marvel's Comics, I've been saying it wrong, Marvel's Comics X-Men. Yeah. Uh, they were all pretty bad. I, it does, it's, this seems like a, uh, not a real idea, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It's, it's just such a it's just such a throwaway. Like like why would you make comics uh about about you know, I, I think like I'm thinking like Watchmen in a in a world with superheroes, they made comics about pirates. Yeah, you know, comics afraid, are yeah. comics are escapism. Like why would you have <laughs> comics although they did used to have, you know, Jerry Lewis comics, so it's true. It's Maybe true. There, there's a place for that. But, you know, I tell you, going through all these, and as much as we did rag on some of these, and some of them are kind of grown-worthy in hindsight, I really wish they would do something like this again. Uh, do something, companies. yeah. Because it, get, it gets you jazzed for that extra week. And and it's a place where you can do stupid things like Marvel's comics mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, you know, whatever, Tangent, tangent uh, Universe, without annoying the fan base you might annoy them that they spent money on a comic they didn't want but they're not going to say that you're, you're messing with their continuity sure uh, sure and it's it's too bad that's all i i don't really have a whole long spiel on it except to say that i you know now the fifth week was four books right that we had this week something and, like that and one and one of them was just because the uh because of the shipping of the button got messed that's up. right that's so it was right. supposed to only be three that's right flash came out exactly because of the, cause of the yep. delay and then it was going to be three annuals plus you know it was going to be what the wonder woman the trinity and titans and titans, titans. that's yeah. right uh that's all they had for this week which is bad for the retailer bad for the buyer you know what i mean uh it's I, bad for everybody it, it would it would be cool if there was like whatever it is you know the, you know a whole week of crime syndicate of america stories let's say you know what i mean like taking place they, on earth three or whatever sure or they could have thrown in the uh that justice league versus the suicide squad as a fifth week event that would have been fun just, yeah just throw that all in there considering it, the, it only it only was really four issues anyway with two sure. times so what you know it's just banging all out in one but or all those uh those Justice Justice League of America rebirths like the Adam and uh, Killer Frost and stuff. 
throw all those in a in a fifth week because yeah. people are gonna want to see what's going on. It's just such a missed opportunity. It's true. That could be a whole week of just origins. If you think about sure. it, they could do a whole Absolutely. like secret, secret origin. You know. Five yep. or five to eight titles, and that's it. Charge keep, four. Keep it regular price. <laughs> well, and I was gonna say they probably charge four bucks for them, but at you know, least, yeah, I'm using least. I'm using my Dan DiDio uh, brain yeah. here. <laughs> Can't leave money on the table. No, nope, never, never. Anyway, uh, anyway, they don't do it anymore. Maybe they'll do it in the future. But we just thought that was interesting. Uh, sure. How Fifth Week used to be almost like a celebration of sorts or an opportunity to do it something was an event. New. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway. Uh, next week we do have a Shade the Changing Girl number nine. Wow, I think we're almost that, into double digits. I think that's where we are with Shade. I think you're right. Uh, and I'm not sure what's happening the week after. I did not go into it, but you never know what's going to happen with Young Animal anyway. So next week we will have a comment to talk about. Uh, but for this week, I think that's all we got from Chris. You got anything else for him? Nope, oh, that'll do it. Well, until next time, I want you to keep it uh whatever young and animal whatever. What the hell do I say? <laughs> well, because we're because we're doing some weird comics history right now, which yeah. is a throwback. But uh, I think we keep it young and animalistic. That's right. We got to keep it young and animalistic. I get so many taglines. And then I say, see. You're all over me.